Today's reading comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 22. Now the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from his surrounding enemies. The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I will dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought you up, brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I take you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you would be a prince over the people of Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off your enemies from before you. I will make you, for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they will dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall come from, excuse me, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also to your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O God. For there is none like you, and there is no God beside you according to all we have heard with our ears. Good morning. 
My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad you're with us uh, this morning. If you're a first-time guest or you've just started checking uh, our church and community out, I'm glad that you're with us, and I hope you feel welcome. I hope you keep coming back to be a part of uh, our community and a part of worship on Sunday morning. Uh, Christ Central Church, our church started uh, it, meeting as a small group of people in the spring of 2013. Uh, we began to meet as a small group to pray and to dream, to discuss and to talk about what God might be calling us to as His church. And we officially launched into public worship January 11th, 2014. It has been a fast three-plus years. It's been a wonderful three-plus years. We've had seasons of hope and times of despair, joy and pain, success and failure. What we thought was success but was possibly failure, and what we thought was failure, but God turned into success. This morning, if you are just coming in midway through, is a little bit of a different service. We have shortened portions of our service, including this sermon. Uh, some of you, y'all want to go ahead and hallelujah to that one and respond to that. Uh, we're trying to get you more responsive as a body. Uh, maybe that'll cause you to be more responsive. Uh, but the purpose in doing the shortening of uh, our services because we are organizing as a particular church, which you see in your bulletin and more explanation we'll be giving uh, later in the service. But what that means is we are moving from a church plant, a mission church, to an official particular church in our denomination. Having our own elders ordained and installed, Timothy and myself will be installed as your pastors. Uh, and so that's just to say this is an exciting and monumental time in the life of our body. It is a celebration this morning of God's faithfulness and His grace and His mercy to work in and through Christ Central Church. We've been preaching through the life of David, First and Second Samuel, over the past two months. And this morning we're going to continue in the life of David. But I'm jumping ahead, as Vicki just read in Second Samuel 7. I'll jump back next week. But I, I felt led to preach from 2 Samuel 7 in light of us organizing this morning. Uh, so let me pray, and then we're going to jump in to 2 Samuel 7 together. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you speak to us, that your word, that the scriptures are living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. And so we pray by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to our spirit. You would change us that we would encounter a living God through the Word of God this morning. Remove me so that Jesus might be exalted in our hearts and in our minds and that our lives might be changed because we've been with you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the heart, the human heart, is a little bit of a tricky thing to fully comprehend. If you think about it, there are times when you might go from happy to sad, joy to anger, from feeling in love to feeling out of love, and you know why. But there are plenty of times when our heart shifts from happy to sad, joyful to upset, feeling in love to feeling out of love, and we don't know why. Right? The heart can be like shifting sands. And the shifting is often subtle. We can be unaware of what is happening, unsure why it's happening. This morning, I want to address your personal heart individually, each of us in the shifting sands of our personal heart. But I also want to apply this text to our church. And one of the main metaphors that Scripture gives to describe 
the church is the body, that we are a body. And so I want to apply this text to the subtle shifting sands of our collective heart, of the church's heart, in light of us organizing this morning. 2 Samuel 7, David, King David has this shifting going on within his own heart, and we need to understand it for our personal sake and for Christ's central church's sake. And so we're going to ask three, question, three questions about David's heart. What's happening? Why is it happening? And then how can we guard against it? You with me? All right, so let's look first at what is happening. David, King David, has reached success by this point in 2 Samuel 7. He has put the Philistines in their place. He has established Jerusalem as the new capital. He has brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, which is declaring to all that Yahweh, the God of Israel, reigns and rules as king. Goliath the giant is dead. Saul is dead. And David is alive and well, and he is ruling as king over Israel. He's ruling as king in Jerusalem, six miles from his hometown of Bethlehem, where he once was a shepherd boy. And then he spent years in the wilderness fleeing from Saul, and now he finally has a place to rest. He has a home. He's gone from fleeing in the wilderness to now ruling and reigning as a king in a luxurious home. Look at verse 1. It says, David was king, and the Lord had given him rest from his enemies. And David says to Nathan the prophet, which is going to be David's pastor, good way to understand it, Says, David says to, to Nathan, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. David says, look at my luxurious home, this house of cedar. God, he needs a home like mine. And Nathan, like many pastors would respond if a wealthy church member wanted to fund a building campaign or build a church, said, go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Bless you, brother. Go build a house for the Lord. But verse 4 says, But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? Have I not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day? Nathan goes back to David. He puts a halt to this building campaign. Tell David, God tells Nathan, Tell David, No. You are not going to build God a house. See, God saw David's proposal in a different light. God's word to David was, you won't build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. Listen, David is in the midst of tasting success. In the midst of tasting success, he is subtly shifting from dependence on God to independence from God. Listen to what Eugene Peterson writes. He says, David is about to cross the line from being full of God to full of himself. Outwardly, everything is the same. He isn't conscious of doing anything different, not self-aware of any shift within, but David, riding the crest of acclaim, having decisively defeated the opposition, united God's people, and captured the allegiance of all of Israel and Judah, heady with success, is now going to do God a favor. Now going to do God a favor. That is a great danger for every one of us. And when we're in a cave, as we looked a few weeks ago, David in the cave, we can cry out to God. 
We'll cry out and ask God to show up. We can be very dependent on the Lord. But when success starts, when we come out of the cave, out of the darkness, when we begin to have our way, there is a great danger for our hearts to shift from dependent to independent, full of God to full of self. And there is a great danger for us, Christ Central Church. We started out three plus years ago, a very small group of people gathering at the John or Daniels Exchange Building, extremely dependent on people and churches for financial support and prayer. We had no idea where we'd worship on a Sunday morning. We had no idea if anyone would feel called to be part of our community and part of this mission of God's mission here in Durham. And in some ways, those days are nostalgic days. Because we had to be faithful in prayer. We had to cry out in prayer. We had to move out in faith. We were dependent on God. And here we are. People have come to faith in Christ. Many have been baptized. Almost 400 people on a Sunday morning worshiping. Our internal giving financially has continued to rise We've been blessed to continue to worship in this unbelievable place to now this morning having our own elders ordained and installed. And there is a great danger for our collective heart, Christ Central, to shift from dependent on God to independent from God. To think that we've arrived in some way a move from being full of God to full of ourselves. I mean, think about it. If you're a Christian or even if you're not a Christian and you've cried out in prayer, prayer is at its height when we feel out of control, when we feel the darkness, when we feel our need, but when life begins to turn the corner and things start to work out for you, all of a sudden prayer can decrease. Maybe we give out that platitude, thank you Lord, right, every now and then. Thank you God. But deep down there is something in your heart that whispers to you, you did this. You made this happen. And it is subtle, and we are often unaware that it's happening. See, David is wanting to do something for God, and that is quite natural. He's giving platitude, thank you, God, but he wants to do something for the Lord from a place of independence, from a place of power, a place of being full of self. Let me make a point to all people, Christians in particular this morning. There are times when your and my grand human plans to do something great for God, when we want to see this world changed, and let me add to that Christ Central Church, our church's attempt to do something great for God in Durham and around the world, when that attempt can turn out to be a huge distraction from what God is doing for us. Can I say that again? Our attempt to do something great for God or to change this world in some way can turn out to be a huge distraction from what God is doing for us. It's subtle. We don't always see it. And there's a fine line that we cross from being full of God to full of self. And God is telling David, the kingdom that I'm building, David, isn't about what you do for me. It's about what I do through you. I'm doing the building you're not. And why in the world would a prophet of God say no to well-intended work for God? Why is Nathan pouring water over this blazing fire within David? Because the heart of David has shifted from dependence on God to independence from God. 
David somehow subtly thinks he's adding and providing to God as if God is in need. Well, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And one of my favorite pastors to be around is a pastor in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a pastor named Joe Novenson, godly, humble pastor. And he tells a story about a time when he visited India, and Joe's guide in his trip to India was a, na- a man named P.T. Chanda. Uh, and he describes Chanda, he says, imagine if Mother Teresa and John Calvin were to have a child. That's P.T. Chanda. He said Chanda possessed maybe four items of clothing, with a profound passion for the gospel. So Joe and Chanda got into a discussion while they were in India, and Chanda asked Joe to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. So Joe read it. It says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And Chanda stopped him. So Joe, do you preach Christ? And Joe said, Yes, Chanda, I, I think I do. And Chanda said, Well, read the rest of the verse, Joe. But Joe continued to read. He said, And we preach ourselves as servants. For Jesus' sake. He said, Joe, do you preach yourself as a servant? And Joe said, no, Chanda, I don't think I do. And Chanda said, no one in America wants to be a servant. You all want to be leaders. You especially don't want to be servants to people like the Corinthians, who were sexually immoral, bickerers. Yet Paul preached himself as a servant. And then Chanda said, Joe, let me tell you a secret. Go to the back of the line. Go to the back of the line. You won't find many Christians in that position. They're all out in the front of the line. But you will find Christ there. So David's placed himself in the front of the line. He's the leader. He's going to do something great for the Lord. He's full of himself, and I think for at least two reasons. The first, he forgets where he's coming from. He has forgotten where he has come from. Look at verse 8. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people. David was a shepherd boy in Bethlehem. No one, not even his family, thought he would be considered much less anointed as the king, which we looked at in 1 Samuel 16. So God is saying to David, David, you have forgotten that I got a hold of you. I took you from the pasture, and you are now king because of me. David, you aren't doing anything for me, but only through me. In ancient times, kings would build their gods huge temples. And the hope would be that in building their god a temple, that this god would establish the king's reign. See, every religion was like that in the ancient Near East. Every other religion was about what one could do for their God. And God is telling David, I'm not like those gods. And Christianity is not like those religions. When alive, C.S. Lewis was interviewed on a radio show and he was asked this question, what makes Christianity different from other religions? And C.S. Lewis responded, that's easy. I'll give you one word, grace. Grace. God is telling David, I'm a God of grace. I brought you from the pasture to the throne. It's my doing. Humility is the starting point for every person. One becomes a Christian by finally getting to the end of their rope, seeing their need, seeing their sin, seeing a need for a Savior, and crying out to that Savior to be rescued and to be redeemed. And humility 
is the continuing point for every person. Every day, confessing our need. Every day, seeing that we offer nothing. Every day, crying out, I need a Savior, a Rescuer, a Redeemer. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, For in the same way you received Him, so walk in Him. The way you received Him, walk in Him. We receive Christ in great humility. It is the starting point to become a Christian. And it is the way we are continued to walk day by day. Grace upon grace upon grace. And as a church, if we ever forget grace, if we ever think we graduate from the grace of Jesus into something more sophisticated or to something more important in our mission, we've failed. We must not forget where we've come from. From death to life by the grace of Jesus. And then we must walk by that every day. And if we forget that, we will subtly shift and being full of ourselves. Second reason why I think this shift is happening in David is that he forgot who God was. Not only forgot who he was, but he forgot who God was. Look at verse 7. Throughout this passage there, David is saying, let me build you a house, God. And the Hebrew word for house is building. And then in verse 11, God says, no, I, David, I'm going to build you a house. And the Hebrew word for house in verse 11 is dynasty. Dynasty. There's a wordplay going on in verse 11. See, David's going, God, I want to build you a building. I'm going to build you a building. I'm going to do something great. I'm going to build you a house. And God says, no, 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 David, I'm going to build you a kingdom. Amen. I'm going to build and make you a dynasty. And upon that, David, nothing will break my commitment to you. Look at verses 12 and following. Verse 12, he says, I'm going to raise up your offspring after you, David. Death will not stop my promise to you. Verse 14 to 15, he says, When he commits iniquity, talking about Solomon, David's son, I will discipline him, but my steadfast love will not depart. Sin will not stop my promise to you, David. Verse 16, And your house and your kingdom will be forever and ever. Time will not stop my promise to you. Neither death, nor sin, nor time will break my commitment to you, David. That, my friends, is sovereign grace. That's what makes Christianity so beautiful. It's about what God did and what God is doing and what God will do. It's all of God. In some counts, God is the subject of 23 verbs in this passage. The common theme of God's response to David is, I will, I will, I will. That's the gospel. When the subtle shift to independence happens, it's because we are forgetting the essence of the gospel, the grace of God that abounds to us, that we who were once lost are now found. We who offer nothing have everything. We who deserve death get life. For those of you who are here and you're unsure about Jesus, that's the offer of the gospel to you. God's doing for you, to do everything for you. It is His grace and if you're a Christian here this morning in Christ Central as a church, God wants to remind us and He wants to protect us from the subtle shift to full of self to remind us that Christianity is not about what you do. It's not about what Christ Central is doing in this city and around the world. It's about what God is doing in and through us. He's the King of His kingdom. We give visibility to what He's doing. We call attention to those around 
to give attention and to look and to see what our King is doing in and through us. Well, how can we guard against this? Last question. How can we guard against this shift? Look at verse 18. I love verse 18. Then King David went in and he sat before the Lord. King David sat before the Lord. Eugene Peterson writes again, this may be the single most critical act David ever did. The action that put him out of action. The action that put him out of action. David at his prime, ambitious. Now after God has reminded David who he is and who God is, David sits. He gets out of the driver's seat and he places himself before God. David allows God to stop him. Do you know what the country code to the United States of America is if you're in another country around the world dialing to the United States of America? 001. The number one. We are a country full of affluence, full of power, with many things at our fingertips. Many of us in this room are the privileged in this what most of us think as the number one country in the world. And it's easy to slip into thinking that we are the beginning and the center and the end of the whole world. And what we need to be made aware of is that God is the beginning and the center and the end of the world. It's what David needed, and so David sat before God. We need to sit and stop before our God. I love Peterson again. He says, what we don't do for God is often far more critical than what we in fact do. Christians don't want to be caught doing too little, but there are moments far more frequent than we suppose when doing nothing is precisely the gospel thing to do. Far more frequent than we suppose when doing nothing is precisely the gospel thing to do. This is God's world. We need to sit before God and be reminded, church, He's the beginning, he is the center, and he is the end, not us. Now, please don't hear me encouraging passivity and sloth as a Christian, because what David did in his sitting was far from passive. He was praying. He was actively praying. David entered into the presence of God. He became aware of God, and in the midst of doing so, traded in his plans for God's plans. He let his enthusiasm to do something great for God be replaced with a willingness to give witness to what God's already doing. We need to be a people who stop and who sit and who pray. But prayer is not always visibly seen by others, is it? Corporate prayer is not always the attractive thing to participate in. I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, Wednesday morning prayer at our church office isn't a huge line waiting to get in the office when Timothy and I open the door right? There's not a huge line when we have people sign up for servant teams waiting to sign up to be a part of the prayer servant team. It's like Chanda said to Joe Novenson, everyone wants to be a leader, visible. No one wants to be a servant. No one wants to be in the back of the line, and I am most guilty of all. I would always joke growing up that I wanted the positions of high visibility and low responsibility, (laughs) I wanted to be seen doing as little as I could, <laughs> right? What, what more of an American mantra is, is there than that? 
High visibility, low responsibility to be seen. But the way in which we can be guarded against the subtle shift of self is to sit before our God and actively pray. Because it is in prayer that we are reminded He is God. He is the King. He is in control and He is good and gracious. Our hearts will shift. Our collective heart as a church can shift. But we will be guarded if we constantly sit before our God and we let Him change our hearts. And so I'm going to pray to close us. I'm going to pray three prayers. I'm going to ask you to bow and close your eyes and pray with me, but I'm going to pray three prayers in light of 2 Samuel chapter 7 this morning for you, for me, and for us as a church. So let's pray together. Lord, we come to you, Jesus, and we pray that the gospel of grace will always be honey to our souls. God, I pray that every person in here and that we as a church will always have a deep intimacy with our good and gracious God. May we never think we graduate and move beyond your grace that abounds to us every day. Lord, I also want to pray that we would always be aware that we are part of something more than just an earthly kingdom. God, we are part of an eternal kingdom. And it is a kingdom that Jesus, the Son of David, secures and builds for all who trust in Him. He is the King, and He will reign forever and ever. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people who sit and who rest in Your grace that abounds to us, that we would rest in our security as citizens of Your kingdom, that we would be a church and a people that pray that we truly could rest because we know that you are building your church, King Jesus, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.